1: This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Alley. Alley, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Alley, a membership-only community workspace for creators. Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Alley, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. And now, on to my interview with mad skills
2: when i set my sights to something i i just have blinders on you know what i'm saying and it's not because i i don't i don't have the emotion or the 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 spirit to love or to to be i just i i have to get this done,
1: done yeah yeah check it out i'm your host corey cambridge uh yeah Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited, no matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited, everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it, whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it, you are now talking to a silent giant, want to walk in their shoes, silent giants, want to study their moves, silent giants, want to know what they do, silent giants, silent giants, (laughs) y'all, Welcome to the 50th episode of the Silent Giants Podcast, a podcast that highlights superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. This week's Silent Giant is Grammy-nominated rapper, songwriter, and Virginia legend Mad Skills. Skills is largely credited for being the first artist to put Virginia hip-hop on the map, but built an illustrious career as a ghostwriter for some of the biggest rap acts of all time. Currently, Skills holds a teaching position at the University of Richmond at the School of Professional and Continuing Studies. In this interview, I connect with Mad Skills in our hometown of Richmond, Virginia to chat about his early life he broke into the music industry with Missy Elliott and Timberland, connecting with DJ Clark Kent, his first record deal with Atlantic back in the 90s, his career as a ghostwriter, he chatted about his new EP, I'm the DJ and the Rapper, and a whole lot more. So, without further ado, on our 50th episode of the podcast, let me introduce you to the rapper, songwriter, DJ, educator, my friend, the silent giant, Mad Skills. Kills, what up, man? What's up, bro? How are you? Oh, man, I'm awesome. Life is good. It, it's really crazy. Not This is the first time meeting you, being right. that we're both born and raised Richmond. Yes.
2: I call it the Bougie Black Well, Network. I wasn't born here, but I've been here forever. When did you move I've here? been here since like 87.
1: Okay. okay. I was okay. born in
2: Detroit, but I don't even remember being in Detroit.
1: Because when at what age? Like, what, How were you when you moved here? I was like 15, maybe 14.
2: Oh, you were like in your formative years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely a teenager when I got to Richmond, for what, sure. Where'd
1: you go to high school? Uh,
2: John F. Kennedy.
1: Oh, get out. So you went yeah. to like, school proper in the yeah, city? Yeah, right off of uh, Mechanicsville. Like, nine Mile Road. Yeah, cool. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. crazy, I call it the Bougie Black Network because everyone <laughs> in Richmond is black knows each other in some way. Right, yeah. So in some way, you're constantly connected. Like, right. you know, my sister Chelsea. Yes. My cousin Bruce. Yeah. But like, I didn't know you personally.
2: Right, right. But we had six degrees of separation. Yes. Bougie, right. The Bougie Black Network. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How's the day going for you? Oh man, you know it's
2: it's, uh, it's Labor Day, um, but a uh, slow day. Yes, but a, as a, it should be. Yeah, we got a gig tonight, so uh, I'm getting trying to get ready for that. And uh, I had one last night, so I'm kind of sluggish, but I'll be all right. How, how do you get prepped uh, for your show? You know, you kind of just uh just got to go into it and just wish for the best. Sometimes, you know, because being being you know being on stage and being the person that you know have you you have to ensure that other people are having a good time nobody asks you how you're feeling right you know what i mean so it's like you know if i if i got into it with somebody or had a, a, a argument or something i still got to get on stage and say throw your hands in the air and you know all my party people like and i might not even be in the mood for that <laughs> but that's
1: the job exactly you know I mean? that's the job so and, and and i don't have a day job so i won't complain about it well you know what it is i always say that no matter what you should always be in the service industry. Yeah, and we're in the service industry of, of entertaining people, whether it's podcasting, yeah, whether it's is being on stage, making music, yeah. entertaining. We're, we're all service. Yeah, man, others. we are. We definitely are. Uh, so, how would you describe Richmond as a as a city?
2: Um, very, you know, a melting pot, man. Um, of uh, a definitely a, a southern kind of southern, but northern, because we're right on the border in between North Carolina and the D.C. So you know it's definitely um you you run into all kind of people here and you have so many colleges that you know you end up with a lot of people that aren't from here that might come here and then like it and then end up staying or people who went to school here and then go back or start businesses here but um it's definitely a melting pot of of people and culture you know what i mean so um and it was it's never i, I never looked at it as a slow paced place it's not like i think when i would tell people a lot of times oh yeah you know i'm in richmond virginia they would think like country and they was thinking like right. dirt roads or like charles city or something and i'm like yeah nah it's a city you know what i mean like and, and it definitely has its city elements so yeah the culture of it is um
1: it's a beautiful place man i love it you know what I mean? it, it definitely to me uh um virginia is kind of a really interesting state. there's there's about three or four cultures right within the same state Because yes. if you're if you're in dc it's very government mm-hmm. but if you're tile water it's very chill beach right right beach town then you get to richmond and then richmond's maybe kind of the most true city city yeah. city right proper yeah uh, in virginia proper city then you get west of that you have like the mountains right but yeah if go, but if you go south of richmond and you go west of charlottesville you get country, yes. Like once you get past those mountains, like yeah. the Appalachians, the Blue Ridge. Yeah, wow. I never
2: really looked at it like that, but um, yeah, we're surrounded by a whole lot of different things.
1: Yeah, you so
2: can go in any different direction for an hour and a half, and you be a, it'll be a totally different landscape,
1: totally different vibe. Yeah. Uh, how has Richmond uh, kind of shaped your personality or your musical style? Or
2: I would say that uh, as far as this, it, it shaped me knowing that I couldn't. You know, it was so many other things being done. I knew what I wanted to bring to the game and I knew what I couldn't do as far as what other states had already established. So, you know, I I couldn't make, you know, music and use Go-Go as my base and act like it was new because Go-Go wasn't new. Somebody already had that. Um, I couldn't do like Baltimore Club because somebody already had that. So we couldn't do G-Funk because the West Coast already had that. So I think musically it, it inspired me to just be myself, and hope that you know whatever I I um offered to the world they would accept, you know what I mean. And I, I did have I was heavily East Coast influenced. I listened to a lot of East Coast rappers coming up because that's when it started. That's all it was it was Run DMC and Fat Boys and Big Daddy Kane and Rock So they were all from one place. So um I definitely had an East Coast sound as far as beats and uh you know aggression. Right. Um because I thought I got to do what they doing, but I would still put my own spin on it. And um Richmond helped me to to develop that and and not be ashamed of where I was from. Even though nobody else had come from where I was from. Nobody had made it.
1: Right. Well, one thing I always talk about on the show, um two questions that typically ask are, what do your parents do? Mm-hmm. And then uh, where are you from? Well, I clearly know where you're from. Right. Um but the reason why those questions are so important because typically people who do great things we had to see like you know michael jackson as from someone who's like in isolation right, right? he's like oh michael made it and he's just right. a unicorn um but he was in an incubator right situation where you know he's probably i don't know what where he ranks probably the seventh child or sixth right. child so he had o- other brothers who performed he also right. had a father who was in a band right. beforehand so Ooh. he um so he was able to be a to to groom his skills. Right. At become, a very young age. Yes. Uh how did you uh groom your skills? Like how how did that happen for you?
2: Um just from listening and and paying attention, like I said, the first time that I heard uh hip hop, you know, it might have been a uh, run DMC or or uh the Fat Boys or something like that. Um I would say eighty four, eighty five, um and it definitely spelled it definitely felt like it was speaking to me directly. Um, it I, I, I never knew what Run DMC looked like at first. I just I just heard him I think it might have been hard times or something like that. Maybe Sucker MCs. But every record was, you know, it was the guy that had the lighter voice and he he was kind of upbeat and it was the guy that had the the kind of laid back voice, but he was still aggressive. So that was DMC and Run was the other voice. So when I saw them, I think the first time I saw them. Might have been on this TV show called like Graffiti Rock or something. Or maybe maybe they were on Soul Train or something. And I, I remember seeing him and I was like, yo, like I run looks like me. Like I look like I could be that he skinny, sideburns, you know what I mean? Nappy hair, but not not nappy, but <laughs> still, you know what I mean? And I was like, Man, like skinny, lanky, and I had all those qualities. And all he was doing was putting words over beats. And they were just happening to rhyme. So you know, I started paying attention to um hip hop after that, and I followed them religiously. I actually met them when I was like thirteen years old in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I actually have a picture with them when I was like thirteen, Um and uh yeah, f- from that point on, I was, I was, I was done. I was totally immersed in the whole culture. Every everything in, involved in hip hop, I did graffiti, which I sucked at, <laughs> DJing, uh, which I sucked at early on in my life, but I'm definitely way better now than i was then but the first uh break dancing i did i got a cool response from it but rapping was the first thing i did that i actually got a response where it was like oh and i was like this must be it then and what what age was this oh man i might have been oh man i might have been like 13 you know what i mean And i wrote a song called maybe maybe not because i didn't have no instruments and it was about talking to these girls it was about talking to some girls and uh Do you remember do you remember it? I I remember the hook because you could beatbox the hook and say the words at the same time, kinda like uh, Dougie Fresh yeah. or or uh Buffy from The Fat Boys used to do. So I can't remember the raps, but I would get to so I would say the rap a cappella, and then when I would get to the hook, I it was so basic. I would get to the hook and, and the hook was uh maybe a uh, maybe not. Maybe a uh, maybe not. <laughs> Because you could still say yes. that and still yeah. do the beat. So it was super simple, but um, that was the hook of the song. And it was about, you know, at every turn, at the end of every verse, I would... Uh get to whether this girl would go out with me or not and her thing was maybe maybe not and then the third verse I kind of got fresh and I got my I was the nerd at first I got fresh I got cool and then she asked me and the spin of events was I hit her back with the same hook the maybe maybe (laughs) not hook so that was my first foray into um into uh writing an actual song and having it have structure and you know and points and things like that so um yeah for sure that was that was around the first time.
1: One thing, uh, you know, we both come from Richmond. Right. How did you manage to to break into the music industry being from where you're from? Um, well, being from Richmond, uh,
2: it was hard. And uh I wanna say once D'Angelo came out, and I remember being in talent shows with D'Angelo, his name was my he had a band called Michael Archer and Precise. His name was Michael Archer. So um he had a band and he was singing guy covers I like. Groove me. You know Trent, Brian Trent? Yeah. Yeah, it's my guy. Yeah. So um D'Angelo made it. You know what I mean? So you know, we look up and I see I see uh I saw Brown Sugar. And um before that, let me backtrack a little bit. It was another group that came out of here that had signed to Eric. They I don't think they were from Richmond, but they definitely had ties in Richmond, and they were called Shades of Lingo. And they were signed to like Eric Sermon. Okay. And I think they had a vi- they definitely had a video out. And they had a cool song. And then uh it was some other kids from here that were called Down South. Okay. We had the Boogie Monsters too. Um, they were from Virginia State. Um, but I think they got signed to the same label that Dickable Planets was on and I think it, it their project didn't come out for a while. I think it might have been like two years. I didn't understand that process. But um I did understand it after I got a record deal. But so Down South comes out and they're on Big Beat Atlantic and they had a song called Southern Comfort. And I remember the video and the video and they were like, you know, everybody was like, yo, you seen these guys from Richmond? They they got on, they rapping like one of them make beats. Da, da, da. So it's three dudes. It was two, two light skinned dudes and one dark skinned dude. And I know I know who they are now. I'm just saying this is just what I knew then. Um, and I remember. I was watching Rap City one day, and they was like, oh, you know, we got a brand new group, you know, da-da-da-da-da, down south. And I saw their video, and I was with some of my homeboys. We were in, I think it was over off Brooklyn Park Boulevard. It was definitely in Northside, north side. And we saw their video, and the video was all, like, cornfields and, like, grass and dirt roads. On something like Bubba Sparks type. But it wasn't even that cool as Bubba Sparks. Okay. It was definitely, like it didn't show no city elements of it at all. Now don't get me wrong, their song made sense with that. They were talking about when I go back home, this is what home is like to me. This was their what it was like for them. So they, you know, they're talking about their grandmothers and you know, when I go back to grandma's house, you know, this is what I get and this is what she cooks and it's that good old southern comfort. But we hated the video cuz we was like Richmond don't look like that. Right. Dang, they can't be from Richmond, like why? <laughs> and you know how sometimes you get a record deal and you do whatever they tell you to do, and you shoot whatever they tell you. To shoot. I don't, I don't know their story, but I know by the time it got to my eyes, I saw it and I was like, "That's not Richmond. That's not. That's not. Yeah, it, it's parts that can look like that, but damn, that's what they chose to go with." So I was mad. I, I was livid. So the 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 aggression of Mad Skills and the 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 frustration of mad skills when I first came out from screaming Virginia 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 and this is what we got we got cats down here to spit bars we got producers we got you know what I'm saying MCs like we wear Tims. we wear hoodies like yo we be on the corners like we got corners like all of that came from looking at that down south video and I don't I, and I know one of the guys uh, Sean J Period an amazing producer I just got back in contact with him within the last couple of weeks couple of years, and he ended up doing three or four tracks on my first album. Mm. Um, amazing producer. So, I don't even think he knows this story, but that initial frustration came from me seeing their video, and I felt like they weren't representing Richmond in the same way that I wanted to. I wanted people to see a a, big, a bigger part of Richmond, and, and Virginia as a whole. Um and I couldn't put it on D'Angelo's shoulders. I think D'Angelo came on. He's an R and B singer, right? Like, what the fuck y'all want him to do? Like, when I was all oh, man, he'll never say shit about Richmond. And I'm like, what the fuck you want him to do? You R and B singer. What are you supposed to make a song called Cruising in Richmond? <laughs> like, what the fuck? yeah he's an r&b singer bro r kelly don't have a song called chicago
1: right he yeah, don't have a yeah, song yeah. called
2: bump and grind in chicago fuck y'all mean it's up to us the we the rappers we say that shit we shout our cities out and our hoods and you know our clicks and our squads like so when they didn't do that i felt compelled that i had
1: to and, and um yeah, uh, but how did you make that industry move like what was that first it shift? was uh yeah damn i got totally got off tracking that question but no it was um, i loved it (laughs) It
2: uh, no what happened was i i I saw d'angelo i was going to these seminars i would get off work i worked at the vcu parking deck um i would get off of work and i would send in my demos to you know these
1: these uh, labels was it like looking at the back of the cd and then mailing it
2: well i well i had a friend that worked in radio mike street worked in radio and he used to get you know Free records all the time. He worked at a college radio station. We would go up there. Um and we would, you know, we knew we knew people would come down, they'd be like, oh, you know, I'm traveling with Wu Tang Clan. I'm the I'm the A and R for loud. We'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. And my thing was when I ran into cats, I would never tell them. I would never say to them, like, yo, can I get on? Can you look out for me? I would just say, Yo, what's up, man? My name is Mad Skills, and y'all gonna hear about me one day. Like that was it. I ain't want no picture, I ain't want nothing. And um so I, I would send off the tapes, nothing happened. I was going to these conventions, bumping elbows with all of these people. I was going to Jack the Rapper, I was going to How Could I Be Down, uh, I was going to the Gavin. Um, and I'm flying at this point, some of my first flights had taken place at this point. And I sent a tape, I used to get the Source Magazine, it was a battle for world supremacy uh MC battle and I sent a one minute acapella tape to the address. Uh somebody hit me back. It was a girl I think her name was Chris Christy? Christ Kristen, I think. She hit me back and um she said, You made it. And it was it was Clark Kent's battle for world supremacy. He used to do a thing called Superman Inc. Uh and they did a new music seminar every year. They did it Battle for World Supremacy. And uh I entered it I came in second. But everybody I had sent a tape to was in that room watching me. Okay. So this shit was and I just uploaded it to like YouTube maybe like a year ago, but it's a battle between me and a guy named Supernatural. And very famous very famous battle. It yes. went down to the wire. Nobody they couldn't decide. The judges were uh puffy, Tracy Waples, Sheena Lester, uh, my man Todd won. Um, everybody was in the room. A- Africa Bambata was there. Dame Dash was there. Uh, the, the, whoever the CEO of Loud Records, Steve Rifkin, was there. This is uh, in New York? Yes. Tommy Boy. Rec, everybody in that room I had sent a tape to. So they already knew about me. And then they're like, yo, I have his tape on my desk. That guy's a problem. So I lose. I'm pissed. In hindsight, I'm glad I lost. Um, I'm pissed sidebar. I come outside as I'm pissed, I'm getting ready to leave. And it, it's a young Jay-Z outside in the front of the Sheraton Manhattan hotel, roasting niggas, <laughs> completely roasting niggas. Clark Kent is with him. Dame is with him. Um, and I just put some footage of that on my uh IG. Somebody found it. He is completely roasting niggas. I'm watching known rappers with platinum albums list like lean in for a second, listen to him, and like, yeah, I don't want no problems with him. Like, I'm the <laughs> fuck out. This is a young Jay Z. So I lose. And uh, Clark Kent hit me up and said, yo, I really want to fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you dope. Like, if you come to New York, you know what I'm saying? I got a spot you could record. I'll send you some beats. So Clark Kent started sending me beats. I started recording some of his songs. And uh, then all of these A&Rs, they go back to the office Monday and listen to the tape. They listen to the tape. And then they start contacting me. And that's how the record deal happened. Because uh, Clark was uh, A and R at Atlantic at this yes. time. Yes, yeah. I don't think he was at this time. He was busy trying to get Jay Z a deal. Okay. And nobody was signed Jay Z. Um, they didn't get it. Um, but uh, Clark was an amazing producer. He had a studio, and it's funny because some of the some of the best Jay Z songs I've ever heard in my life I heard at Clark Kent's house, and I still haven't heard them to this day.
1: Right. Wow. I interviewed him uh last week. Right. And we, we talked about that and he was like, yo, like a lot of the records we just lost the dat. Yeah. They were <laughs> all on
2: dats. Yeah. I like I used to go to Clark's house, and you know me at this point, you know, I've already lost a major battle. So I'm really sharpening my sword. And I'm I'm like whoever wanted can get it. I don't fuck who it is. And I, I was so cocky. I was so arrogant. And I used to tell Clark all the time, like, yo, whoever. Like, I don't care, he likes skills. I like you, you at my crib. I I I think you're dope. You are gonna make it, chill. You know what? Don't <laughs> diss Jay. Don't diss Hove. I was like, yo man, I know that's your man, but fuck that nigga. Like that, he was like skills. He used to tell me this all the time. He said Jay. He told me this in '93. He said skills. Jay Z is a Jesus Christ of rap. Chill. Jeez. I said, yo man, I don't- <laughs> your man is cool. He cool. But, yo, trust me, bro, bar for bar, I will I will rock his, <laughs> where he was, like, skills. Like, understand, it's almost like you sitting next to Magic Johnson. Because Magic Johnson said, come to the crib, I like your jump shot, I'm, I'm going to show you some shit, like, and
1: and you keep disrespecting Kareem. Like, don't do that. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's when it made sense to me. Well, you know what, though? I think that's also a big shift of what I had to learn coming from Richmond. I think this is for any person. Coming from a, a smaller market, a smaller town, and going into uh, a place like New York or LA or Atlanta right. or Nashville, that it's an industry, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times, your uh, even how we're here today, right, is very not industry, right? So the way we would conduct each other, uh, see each other in LA or in New York, it's totally, totally different, different yes. than how we would here in Virginia. Yes. Oh, you know my sister, yo, you know my cousin, right, yo, let's right. make it happen, exactly. Um, that's it was a shift. I think that a lot of people coming from small towns, so making music with your friends, or yes. people you grew up with. With folks that uh you don't know that well, mm-hmm. you have to politic a little bit more. Right. Like build relationships and cultivate, network. Did you have that 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 kind of tug of war issue?
2: Um once I got in the door, man, it was just about being able to help the people that I wanted to help. Um, you know, I I was more so set on, you know, getting my crew on and making sure that what I wanted to accomplish, I did. And it was weird because when I look back at it, like I, I got exactly what I asked for. I should have asked to sell 50 million records or sell, I'll sell Thriller. That's what I should have asked for. But I was like, I remember somebody asking, it was like the album came out. And I said, Yo, what do you want to accomplish with this album? And I was like, Yo, I want people to know my name and I want them to know where I'm from. And when I look back at it from where, that's basically what I got. No critical sales, like nothing crazy came behind it, but it was a, a, a starting point for Virginia artists to be able to say I'm from Virginia and people would end up saying, Oh you, Oh, you from where mad skills from. So it was like, we used to have nobody right. and now we got somebody cause I was screaming it so much. Um, but yeah, to get back to the question, it was just, I, I wanted people to know about where I was from. And that was a, that was very important to me in 1993,
1: 94. You know what? We're going to take a quick break and next we're going to get into
0: you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
1: and we're back and we're back <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh one thing that uh, I i you, t- you touched on it, is helping other people mm-hmm. um i know that i always say that i love rap but rap is like a it it, fe- it there's two different parts of me right mm-hmm. There's it like the part of me where what rap fulfills is like i can shit on you like, right i'm the man right like i got skill right you know what i'm saying but there's another part of my career as a songwriter here for the podcast where it's about assisting other people right and where it's zero ego at all right it's just about telling other people's story or helping get to where they want to be right how did that sh- that mental shift happen for you professionally um
2: well i knew that you know some of these people that I was around were super talented, and they deserved to be heard. And if I was the platform right now that could get their voices heard, then so be it. And I was gonna do whatever it was. I was running with a, a crew of like thirteen dudes. Like nine of us were like rappers; the rest were like DJs, producers. So if I'm if I'm the only person that's got the the outlet right now, then um, you know, it, so be it. So that's how you end up getting the super friends. And uh, Lonnie B was going around with me across the country as like a hype man. Um, me and him were going to radio stations, terrorizing freestyle sessions. Cause that was back in the day when when you went up to a DJ Whoop Dee Whoop Saturday night mix show, like we're gonna interview you, we're gonna play your song, but yo, I'm about to throw this beat on. Like, I need to hear something, what y'all got? Mm. You know what I mean? So it was very important. And I kept people around me that on any given on any given day. Could shit on me. And I, and I liked that because it kept me still sharp and still, it kept me sharp. So, uh, I had a guy, um, one of my best friends at the time, Kalanji, um, probably one of my favorite MCs of all time. Like, like dude was ridiculous, like ridiculous. Like, but he had a way of, he rapped about things, that we probably had no knowledge of so he would also rap about it but it would make it would make the listener feel like damn this dude is so much more smarter than me and he would never say a word or say a a phrase and not explain it in the same bar you know what i mean so when he explained it it was just like Dad, it's like, damn, I don't, I don't even know what that is. And I should. You know what I mean? You you automatically felt like he was superior. And he he rapped about a lot of cosmic stuff and, you know, things, but he also rapped about real life and real, real, um, real like emotion. But when every time he got on the mic, it was an event. And then you had Lonnie B, who had that deep. Baritone voice and those punchlines, and he stung and he sounded so arrogant and cocky and he was so sure of himself. And um, then you had Danger Mouth, who was a, a creative genius, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, with with just the just the, the ideas, and 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 so it's like where he lacked that in in aggressive punchlines and you know, kind of like that big L real, you know, uh stab punchlines, his 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 ideas. And 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 what he could do with words was amazing. So I had these guys around me every day, and it was no way I could not be at my best. And if I was, if 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 I if I went to a radio station and my
1: homeboy outshine me that day, that's how it was supposed to happen. At this time, you're pursuing career as as frontal talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but when did you? Who pulled your coattail, or when did you? When the light bulb moment come off for of you that? You know, I can make a living behind the scenes with my writing. Oh, Missy, Missy Elliott. How did that that meeting happen, and how did that conversation? Um,
2: happen? well, I met Missy through Tim and Magoo. So I want to say it was one day the the No Way Out tour was in Richmond. Okay, uh, I had, Clark was DJing.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: That. I got I got dropped from big beat atlantic well it was kind of mutual because i asked to be released because at this time junior mafia was out biggie was out bad boy was running so biggie having his own label everybody was throwing money at biggie so biggie decided to go with the same label i had and all of the marketing dollars all the attention everything just shifted to junior mafia so i'm like yeah i don't know if i want to be here like i could probably be better off somewhere else maybe go to loud records you know they're doing well with like woo alcoholics mob deep go anywhere but here but the 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 shift is happening because people are it's now champagne and and shiny suits <laughs> and shit you know what i mean like i don't know how long this this rap rap thing is gonna last so um uh i saw magoo me and magoo was talking and magoo was like what you doing now and i was like yo man i'm back in richmond i'm chilling You know, he was like, yo, you don't got no deal. And I was like, nah. Like, I, you know, I asked him to let me go. He's like, hold the fuck up. Like, yo, you got to meet Tim. I got to introduce Tim. So he was like, so Tim is there. Missy's there. He introduces me to Tim. Tim says, come to the studio tomorrow. I go to Master Sound, Virginia Beach. Me and Tim did like, first day I met him, we did like six songs. Same day. So Missy. And had you heard of him? Yeah, I knew Timberland. The Aaliyah stuff was out. Okay. Timberland and Magoo was out. Uh I wanna say the uh Missy was about to come out, maybe, but she was a songwriter. Okay. Um I think uh I wanna say the Gina Thompson remix was out. The hee 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 he hee hee. Yeah. He- 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 yeah. Yeah. So that might have been out by then. And um so Missy saw me working, um but you know, I'm looking at the situation. And I'm like, yo, I'm a rapper. Like, yo, I, I thought this shit would be different. You know what I mean? Um, and then I come back to the studio maybe like three weeks later. I'm coming back and forth with Missy and Tim, and I, she, one day like she pulled up on, like a purple Lamborghini and shit, and I was like, yo, <laughs> <what> the fuck? <laughs> like, damn, they, they do they have anything else besides the Alicia? I know the genuine shit was out, but uh, yeah, nah, she was caking, and I'm like. You know, then I started watching her. I would just sit in the room and just watch her and pay attention to her and Tim and how they created. And uh, that's when I started paying attention to songwriting and and words because I've always been good with words. I can't sing, but um, I, I I know melody and I knew words. And uh, to watch Missy, you know, that was a uh, that was a good person to learn from. You know, and I don't even think she knew I was learning. I think she was just working and I, was just, I would just watch them and just see how they wrote and see how she came up with stuff. And yeah, nah,
1: I, that's when I started paying attention to songwriting. How, how, did, your, uh, how did your reputation as a writer uh, develop and, and continue oh. to grow? Yeah, man. Um,
2: After a while, I started getting the little tricks of the trade and uh, I started getting better production from people. And I started realizing that some of these songs that I write might not be for me. You know what I mean? I already had a name. Um, You know, I was known in the hip-hop community. I had been on BT, Rap City, what have you. I was in the Source magazine, Vibe magazine. So if you were following any of these hip-hop publications or shows, you knew me. Um, And I didn't realize that uh, writing songs could be profitable for, you know, people who didn't get... You know their proper credit or whatever. Have you? I didn't know about splits. I didn't know about publishing. I just knew I was helping. And, and in this case, I'm just happy for the opportunity. So if Tim don't feel like writing this verse today, or his brother's not going to write it, or you know, it's, it's an open 16 right here. I'm gonna just put something there. I don't know who gonna say it. Don't. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not. But I'm a let the 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 idea is to to, to finish the song. So um. I started paying attention to that and um like I said man um then ghostwriting came into into I guess public knowledge cuz people were writing songs but not getting credit for them but you might have been getting something else um money uh gifts uh it was almost like a payola thing with like radio
0: okay. but
2: um and I didn't know you know what I'm saying? I was I was happy to get paid for what I did. I still listen to songs that I wrote, or I wrote verses on. and I didn't get nothing for, it, but I never looked. I looked at that as like training ground. Okay. You know I mean now, now of course, none of these songs are like 80 million sold. I didn't write, I didn't write the second verse on Thriller. You know what I'm saying? But just little raps here and there on things that you know sold some copies, but weren't
1: massive, huge hits. Um, and uh, because why why is it with um with other forms of music right um with rock or pop that the writer is it's a it's okay if mcjagger doesn't write the song right um it's accepted why do you feel like in hip-hop that is a thing that because in hip-hop we always had the stigma that
2: whoever we was listening to wrote what they said and it's like if they didn't write it then who did because if somebody else wrote this and this is this amazing
1: and he should be rapping too, or she should be rapping too. It's not the case, right? Because there's, uh, some people who you have a knack obviously for rapping, but for a lot of people, they may not have the, um, the voice, right. But they may have the words, right. And what's your take on it? Do you think that it's okay. Think- I mean,
2: at the end of the day, um, I think if, and I talked about this, uh, on a, on a prior interview on a breakfast club, um, I think if I found out that certain people didn't come up with certain things, it would probably if, as fan as a fan, it would probably floor me. Like if if like if we if I found out that Rakim didn't write I know you got soul. Yeah. That shit would probably hurt you. like, like, like cuz I'm such a Rakim fan. If I found out that Big Daddy Kane didn't write Ain't No Half stepping
1: it, It's a great song but just cheapen the value for it a little yes. bit. Yes.
2: But I know these guys are amazing writers. So um you know, uh, I don't think it should matter because it's just about, sometimes it's about the delivery. You know what I mean? And I I, I, can't, I pattern it to R&B songs sometimes. Like, you know, and I, I use this example all the time. When Mary J. Blige sings Not Gonna Cry, I don't sit there and go, I wonder who wrote this. Mm. Like, she delivered the fuck out of the song. right? You know what I mean? And sometimes it's about delivery as opposed to who wrote it. And and even now, they've they made it hard to even find out who wrote the song. You know what I'm saying? You you got to dig
1: to find out who wrote a song nowadays. Because do you would you prefer the term um, uh, songwriter? Yeah. Over ghostwriter? Yes. Because that's
2: at the end of the day, we that's what we were doing. We were writing a song. We weren't writing a ghost. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we was writing a song every. And I think a lot of times when I'm in a room with people and you know we're working. It's like that is – that's the common goal. We all want to have the best song possible and be involved in the best song possible. And
1: sometimes you might not come up with that by yourself. I think it's also, too, we're living in an era now where we're a little bit more – kids don't really care. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't (laughs) don't really care the way that they did back in the 90s and early 2000s about who wrote the record uh, in hip-hop. Do you think that – that ghostwriters of that era should be celebrated in the songwriters hall of fame and receive more light for the contributions they made to the culture
2: especially if their song is is you know if it gets that far you know what i mean like um but i guess sometimes hip hop songs don't make it as far as a, as a you know a a u2 record or a, you know i'm trying to think of i'm trying to think of what song could be so big that I can't believe you didn't give that person credit for
1: oh rapper's delight. rappers delight rappers delight
2: yeah rappers delight should not ever <laughs> be mentioned without the words grandmaster cass following it right because a big portion of that record was just taken out of a book that he had you know what I mean but you know what you know what I I equate that to I equate that to the fact that even in hip hop we always forget about the motherfuckers who did it first
1: mm.
2: like we we tend to it's like if you you're the first person they're like oh yeah 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 like yo, we're going on like you you'll probably remember the fourth or the fifth person who did it but you probably won't remember the first because they don't get they invented it they don't get as much credit as they should like like we you know shit we get in the car every day we don't fucking when we hit the button we don't see Henry T4's name pop up <laughs> right, you know exactly, what I mean like exactly. when we get in the car it's like we almost forgot about it and, and I think in hip hop we gotta do better about that man
1: because you know what well, do you think also too it's a matter of just the the uh, hip hop kind of growing up yeah like, like, like hip hop is now a middle aged yeah uh, person if it was yes, a person yes it was middle age <laughs> and it's you know you can't
2: just because you enjoyed it when you had it and it was special to you and you still can't be upset that it, it grew into something else. And, and it's, it's the youth, man, it's the youth and it's technology and it's their music and whatever the, whatever the kids are doing, the music is going to reflect that.
1: Yeah. Cause you know what, with, with technology now, um, like how has that shifted the way you've done business and your professional career as a rapper and writer?
2: oh man um i don't solicit my my um i might solicit my services as far as like djing and things like that to uh to um to people but i don't really go online and say oh yeah here's a song if somebody wants to buy it i don't think the people that i'm looking to sell this this, this, or wanting to hear this music is following me, so I don't really see the point of that. Okay. Um, I, you know, I can't just play a pop record and be like, yeah, you know, anyone, one of y'all want this? I don't think Demi Lovato would hear that one minute snippet that I would post up of that song. I would rather get it to her in another, another manner. Um, but um, so I don't solicit songs in that way, but I do keep people abreast of what I'm doing, um, and 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 where I'm gonna be. What, what material I have out, uh, what projects I have out. Um, but, yeah, I haven't figured out a way to do that yet. You know what I mean? And I, I think with, with technology being as big as it is, it should be a way that the people who are actually looking for songs and want to buy songs and see songs do well in the marketplace should be able to connect with the people who actually make them.
1: Uh, who is a mentor? You, you, going a little bit back in the conversation, you mentioned that um, – there were uh, you didn't have a, a knowledge about splits and publishing uh, who was a person that kind of took you under um, their wing and was a mentor to you and taught you the business uh, of music? Um,
2: business wise, uh, I would say my old A&R, um, his name is Rob Tulo. Uh We call him Reef. Um, he works at, uh, I want to say he's at um, Apple music now, um, but he was the A&R at Big Beat Atlantic back then. And, um, you know, even whatever went down with the label, I never really uh faulted him for. It. We were always on the same side like and um he he let me know a, a lot about royalties and mechanicals and and uh he he was like, you know, and my lawyer, you know what I'm saying? Um my lawyer would break it down in layman terms and this is what you get, this is how much they take. You, they got to get this back first. You know what I mean? Like okay. so it was real like black and white cut and dry,
1: like simple. And your life now, your new EP, let's talk about it.
2: Oh, I'm the DJ and the rapper. Um, yeah, um, I figured that title was very, uh, very self-explanatory. Cause a lot of people would see me like, "Wait, is it the same guy? Like, I, I see his name on a flyer. I, that's the guy who do the wrap-ups, right? Like, he is he a can he DJ? Like, so I'm like, I'm gonna just explain this shit to you in six words. I'm the DJ and a rapper. Same guy <laughs> doing a different thing. I love that. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and it's all songs that I wrote or co-wrote. Um, it's it's an EP. It's only six songs, um, seven. And uh, what I like to do is I, I just like to uh, present music to people. And these are some of the songs that I have written and I have recorded. And I was just playing in my sets, like I would sandwich them in between like some other songs or whatever. And people enjoyed them, so I figured like I'm gonna put it out. And um, I want to be one of those DJs that when people come see me DJ, I I play my own shit, too, and, mm-hmm. in, in addition to the other songs that, you know, that are known and they want to dance to. But I want to be able to play my songs as well.
1: So I, I end every interview uh, with the same question. Mm-hmm. And the question that I ask folks, uh, no matter uh, who I've interviewed in the past, I've interviewed Michael Jackson's engineer, Bruce wadeen, Oh, wow. Um, Prince's engineer, uh, Susan Rogers of Purple Rain. Wow. And uh, I went into Bruce Wedeen's house. And there's nothing but Grammys plaques all over the imagine this entire room right and then some covered right. in Grammys. And I couldn't help but wonder what he sacrificed to get all those Grammys. Mm. If you're going to be great at something, you're going to be bad at something else. Yes. There's only 24 hours in a day. Yes. Um and so it's just a matter of, you know, what you find important. Right. Um and what about for you? For me, um, I would say family, um,
2: and and past relationships. I, I wasn't able to connect um with with people on a level that didn't understand what I wanted to do and uh but not not that's that's definitely not family i've I've been there as much as I can for family, but um sometimes in order to make sure that my family lived the way that I had always envisioned them living i I wasn't around to always enjoy it um and I'm glad that you know, people in my they're not like convicts or criminals or, you know, and the shit didn't go totally left and it was like you were never there, like you know what I mean? Right. Um. I definitely don't have those issues, but I I I could have, and I thank God for that. But it's you know I, I'm I'm not I I I have when I set my sights to something. I, I just have blinders on you know what i'm saying and it's not because i i don't i don't have the emotion or the, the 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 spirit to love or to to be i just i i have to get this done and a lot of people don't understand that and I haven't had a job in like fucking what twenty years so somebody who goes to work every day not saying nothing is wrong with that
1: um but it offers them a certain amount of security
2: yeah I don't have that you know what I mean and um that's something that I sacrificed to to roll those dice that, or to shoot that shot to say that if I shoot if one of these shots fall, then everybody's straight. Mm. you know what I mean I'm gonna take that risk as opposed to going in here and just and not saying I'm too proud or anything i if I had if I had to get a job I would get a job tomorrow like I was just having a a whole discussion about that um I've never been so prideful. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I can't be seen working. Like, what do you mean, I motherfuckers can't see me working at the Walmart? Like, you could definitely see me working at Walmart. If that's what <laughs> if that's what I had to do to take care of mine, then I would right. do it with a smile on my face every day. But I I just so happened that I started this musical journey when I was 13, 14 years old, and it just happened to pay off.
1: Yeah, because I think just kids sometimes they they see LeBron James mm-hmm. and they don't understand what lebron james has sacrificed to be lebron james yes. you, you see this the, the the money right you see the fame and the admiration right but like what about you can't get a burger at a restaurant right without being like spoken to
2: right and it's about to pass down to his kids yes you know what i mean and i know and i, I remember seeing something just new longer where he said he felt he wished that he hadn't given Bronny his name yeah because that's a that's an amazing fucking thing to have to live up to like Bronny can't just go to the movies with friends and just kick it now yeah your and name's not even mike it's right. lebron right it's right it's, you don't have your name's not daniel yeah you, you don't even have like it's two of y'all motherfuckers <laughs> it's you and your dad and your dad happens to be the, blade, the best player of this generation like oh and and i understand it and because as a parent you like i don't want that for you right you right. know what I mean? Because I I did all of this so you and your mom and your brother and your sister be straight, and we gonna be straight regardless. And yes, I would love for you to pick up a basketball and try to be like me, but I don't want you to have to go through all that shit. Right? And he gonna have to go through it. And hopefully, he got somebody there. He has a person there that can tell him verbatim, "I'm not gonna let you do the same mistakes." I'm not like same with Shaquille and his son. Like, it's it's awesome to see them, but. The fact that he was like, yo, I wish I hadn't given Bronny my name. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. Because he could have just been Kevin James and just been fine. But now, he a
1: junior, bro. Well, Kevin James is famous too.
2: Yeah, but for something (laughs) totally different. You know what I mean? You go, oh, and he's black. So it's not not like that Kevin James is going to be your dad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well Skills thank you so much man for being here thank no you, thanks for having thank me thank you for what you represent to uh, I'm a proud Richmonder for what you represent to my city thank you man how you represented us being thank the you. foundation right like thank, thank you, you so much thank you
2: for much. having me man I appreciate it any any time appreciate anytime. you man
1: yes sir thank you all so much for tuning in to the 50th episode of the Silent Giants podcast and to our very special guest Matt Skills for stopping by the show special thank you to the silent giants behind this episode of the silent giants podcast this episode has been mixed by mark bird be sure to follow mark on instagram and you can get to that by the link in the description so also be sure to check out my newest show opp a show that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created i have the link to that in the description as well i'm your host Corey cambridge signing off till next time